Ladies and gentlemen, this is WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield's Community Radio, and you're listening to Stuff, a show about tips, hints, hacks, a joke or two. Listen in every Thursday morning. Here we go. I did it again. That's okay. No, it's not. It's all right. It's all okay. In the grand scheme of things, don't major in the minors. It's all okay. I never heard that one before. Really? Major in the minors? Don't major in the minors. You got stuff going on. Don't major in the minors. The things that. that don't really, really matter, like... Oh my gosh, my toenails don't match my fingernails. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the, Whoa. Yeah, don't major in the minors. Not my circus, not my monkey. That's right. <laughs> we could we could write a wisdom book. What was that book called? Khalil Gibran, Words of Wisdom? No, it wasn't Khalil Gibran. It was a book, a big book my mother had, and it was called Words of Wisdom. And it was Did they all start with W? No, <laughs> he didn't. And it was all things like Proverbs and Psalms and all these words of wisdom. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. From famous people and funny ones and thick book. Words of Wisdom okay. by the by <laughs> I, 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 I know him well. How has your week been? (laughs) Wait a minute. Is that a little bit of drama? (laughs) No, it's a lot of drama. A lot of drama? (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So we had a fiasco. You had a fiasco? We did. You You and and I. We did? I mailed a package. Oh, my goodness. To my sweet Beverly, who who had a birthday. And, and and just to say that that particular show, we were talking a lot about poop. Yep. And I raced home and ordered this thinking <laughs> I'm going to get it to her on time because Amazon's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be there on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I got a thing that said they couldn't find your house. They yeah. couldn't find you. And I thought, hmm. I just fell off the earth. I sold her that house. I know <laughs> this is her address. It's in, it, it, I know it is. And lo and behold, I had her old address. <laughs> yeah. Which was not the right one. Correct. However, it arrived at your house. It finally did. About, what, a week and a half later? Was it that long? I think so. Oh, my And gosh. she gave me poop. Yes. Until I gave her poop, poop socks, which she thought were chocolate drops. And I said, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Well, they had a smiley face on them. And yeah, yeah chocolate, you always have a smiley face. <laughs> were they cute? They were cute. They, they're still sitting in my drawer. And sometime this winter, I shall wear you them. You shall wear the poop socks. Yes, I shall. But the thing is, it went to Deerfield. It was going to. Is your address anything to do with Deerfield? None. Okay. It used to be Plainfield. 
Okay. So maybe they got the fields mixed up. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I thought I had it. I thought I had it. But it went right to your house. Your packages do go to your house. Yes. If you have the correct address. If you have, yes. <laughs> that works. <laughs> now, now this <sighs> morning, I have uh, the true or false thing. But, yes. But, but you got to be very careful. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. The first one. Stowaway raccoon. Police at Buffalo Niagara International Airport in New York State captured a raccoon as it was trying to sneak onto a flight. Officers didn't identify the flight the raccoon almost boarded, but they did say it was interviewed and released back into the woods with a stern warning. <laughs> that was the first one. It was interviewed? <laughs> okay. okay. Hitchhiking bear. Garbage collectors in a small Pennsylvania town got a shock when a hitchhiking bear climbed on top of their garbage truck. The police told the local TV station that there had recently been a rise in complaints about adventurous bears. We can only assume this bear was sick of going for the small amount of trash <laughs> in the garbage pails and went for the big prize. They're both believable. Both of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's why you have to be careful. The raccoon or the bear? Did the raccoon try to get on a flight and then get interviewed and got a stern warning? <laughs> or the bear? Did the bear hop upon the, the garbage, garbage truck? truck. Yeah. That would have been a horrible scene had the bear fallen in. Ooh. Yeah. Do you ever see what those things yes, do? Yes, you ever yes. watch them? Our neighbor across the street had a couch outside. And I watched them put that in because I was curious. It uh -huh. was big. And that thing just crushed it. Oh, it was my just gosh. like like it was crushing a cotton ball or an eggshell. I egg don't want to go this way. Just crushed mm -hmm. and mushed and then shoved like in put, there. Like, like when they put the cars in the hopper yeah. or whatever it is. And they smash them mm -hmm. down flat. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of pressure. Uh, we know pressure. about pressure having had children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that was your stressful week. <laughs> children. Nah. Children. Nah. So. Yes, dear. I was looking up some things about people who became famous after the age of 60. Ooh, do yeah. tell me. So you'll probably know these people. Okay. So, Grandma Moses. That's for sure. Oh, actually, I have to brag. My mother-in-law gave me a painting done by her son. Grandma Moses' son. Mm -hmm. Did he sign it? Yes, he did. They live up in um, Eagle Bridge? Well, he does. New York? Or he does. <laughs> Anna Mary Robertson Moses, better known as Grandma Moses, didn't start painting until the age of 76. Wow. She decided to give painting a go when she could no longer hold an embroidery needle due to her arthritis. Her works were spotted by an art collector who bought all of her paintings and displayed them at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. By the time of her death, her paintings hung in museums all over the world. Wow. And if you do go to New York State... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're going, I think it's in Hoosick Falls. There's a side of a building that I think her son did. Possibly. 
and it's it's a grandma moses painting and from what i understand through the years as it fades someone goes up and redoes it oh good yeah it's pretty cool and it's big my dad used to actually live around the corner from her home um very just a farmhouse uh-huh you know nothing yeah. nothing special she was and now her family's rich but she's not here. No, but look at the joy that she received yes, from she painting did. all of that. And and good for her for going from one thing to another. So there's still hope. There's still hope. <laughs> there's still hope. Oh, okay. Now, I have some weird stuff today. I'm ready for weird today. Okay. Do you, I'm hearing an echo. Are you? I am not. Okay. As long as you're not, then. Is it my echo or yours? Mine. Huh. So it's, it's my problem. All right. Homeless shelters. Yes. In the late 1800s in London, there was a huge population growth. And because of that, there also was a huge homelessness growth. So they had different ways of handling it. And one of them was called the four penny box. And they had a box, a wooden box, shaped like a coffin just a long box, rectangular, and they laid them side to side, put a blanket in each one, and if he had four pennies, you could come to this place and sleep in that box. Oh, oh. But, they, but. if you didn't have the four cents, but if you had two cents. You had to share a box? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. All the pictures I saw were all men, so no, I don't think so. But if you didn't have the four pennies and you had only two pennies or one penny, for one penny you could sit on a bench all night inside this place and, and they would get you out of the weather and the winter and everything, but you couldn't fall asleep. You had to sit. You had to sit and stay awake. And they had people come along during the night to make sure that you were to still poke awake. To you? Yep. Because you only had one penny. You didn't deserve sleep because you only gave them one penny. But if you gave them two pennies... You could sleep? There was a... Hangover. They had everybody sitting on a bench, and people would go around and tie ropes to the ends of the benches, and you could lean on this big, sturdy rope and sleep. That was for two pennies. The only problem was, to wake you up, they came in and cut the ropes, and you thudded to the floor. What year was this? <laughs> Where was this? Late 1800s in London. And that's how you woke up and left the facility <laughs> they just cut the rope and off you went <laughs> it's funny how you said left the facility and not they had to leave home mm. that was their home for the night yeah you a know rope. we talked about Jeannie robertson before the comedian and she talks about a trip that she went on to florida with her husband and uh -huh. her assistant and her husband and she had told her husband Jeannie's husband to just do one thing Get us somewhere to sleep near the airport. Get us, get us a room near the or air, near the airport because okay. she was going to speak somewhere and they needed to rest. And so when the plane was landing, she said, um, "Did you get those two rooms at the airport?" And he said, "I've got us somewhere to stay." Oh dear. And they went down, as she says, to the underbelly of the Hawaii International Airport to the nap. N nap and shower. <laughs> oh my! And word. she said, 
they walked down a hallway and there were tubes. They would open the tube like a porthole and you'd crawl in <gasps> and cover yourself with a blanket. Oh my gosh. And the the skit the 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 routine that she does about this Hawaii trip. It's called her perk Tony's perk trip oh, to Hawaii. Please email the, is me the link. Absolutely hilarious. Oh my gosh. That sounds almost like Japanese. Yes, yes. It it's hell Jeannie Robertson. You wanna laugh, I'm telling you, tune into her on YouTube. She's hilarious. Oh, that's funny. And she's southern. She which makes her really, really funny. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> tube, sleeping in a tube. Yeah. Could you do it? No. <laughs> I I would I don't really have claustrophobia, but it would still bother me. Yeah. I'm not sure because you're closed at both ends. Yeah. I think maybe if it was open. But 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 I could hear anybody a else. Skylight. Yeah, you're right next to somebody in another tube. So you could hear them. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. The funny nah. thing is, her husband went right to sleep. <laughs> the other woman's husband was claustrophobic, so he was just <laughs> like oh, so going you couldn't crazy. Really sleep together. You had no. To be you a had solo. your own tube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I forgot what she says, $30 for six hours <gasps> to sleep in the, in the tubes. But you get a shower. Well, that's, you have to listen to where the showers were. <laughs> it was hilarious. Jeannie Robertson. Okay. So, over 60, well, James Parkinson found something to do. He developed, identified, not, mm -hmm. I, not, I, not developed, okay. he identified. Parkinson's disease. Oh, my. His 1817 essay on shaking palsy led to our conception of Parkinson's today. Although others had previously written about shaking palsy, uh -huh. Parkinson's descriptions were so in-depth that he inspired other pathologists to study the disease. Did he have it? Doesn't say. Oh. Maybe. Wow. Maybe. It just takes somebody to pay attention and yeah. spread the word. Yeah. You should see all the people that you can read about. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy, crazy. All right. Now, this one is going to make you think twice. You know, it's like, nah, this can't be true. All right. During the Cold War, this is true, Pepsi-Cola became the sixth largest military in the world. In 1959, President Eisenhower set up the American National Exhibition in Moscow and sent then First Vice President Richard Nixon over to talk about things. And, and uh, while he was there showing off electric potato peelers and other wonders of the Western world, <laughs> and sort of, to Khrushchev, the discussion turned into a debate which got heated and blew up into a full-blown argument. They almost came to blows. Just as they were about to, the vice president of Pepsi-Cola stepped up and gave Khrushchev a glass of Pepsi. He drank it, and he liked it. So a few years later, he decides he's going to take it off the Russian embargo, and he wants Pepsi to send it over en masse to Russia. 
and Russia, and the Pepsi says, okay, but they can't accept Russian money. So what was he going to pay for it? Turns out he would trade the same amount of vodka for the same amount of Pepsi. <laughs> so this went on into the 1980s. What? Yep. And then when that ended, U.S. didn't want the, the vodka anymore, so they said, we got to make another deal if you still want to have this. So he said, okay. The new agreement saw Pepsi come into possession of a whole naval fleet consisting of no less than 17 attack submarines, a destroyer, a frigate, and a gigantic cruiser. Once the deal was done and the papers signed, Pepsi was now the sixth largest military power in the world. Pepsi then sold it all off at face value to a Swedish scrap metal company. <laughs> That's a... You'd think that we would have heard that story. You'd think so. 1980. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was just creative. <laughs> but I would think that evidently vodka didn't have as much value in Russia as it does in the United States. Well, there was so much vodka, of it. Pepsi, I think a Pepsi is less money than a, vodka, than a bottle of vodka. Well, somebody wanted it bad. No wonder we have a problem here <laughs> here in this country with alcohol. Well, speaking of drinking, uh-huh. You like chicken? I did. I know you did. I shouldn't say. <laughs> Colonel Sanders. Uh-huh. So you know he's KFC. Oh yeah. He changed it from Kentucky Fried Chicken because people were not were eating healthier. So they took the fried <sighs> part out. So they did KFC instead mm -hmm. of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm -hmm. At uh, the the Colonel did not start developing Kentucky Fried Chicken until he was in his sixties. Wow! Once the brand was developed and growing, he sold it in his seventies and lived comfortably for the rest of his years. So he only owned it for a short time. For only like ten years, maybe. Or so? And I thought that another part of this story was he began Kentucky Fried Chicken with his first Social Security check. Oh, my. And then he was on his way. Wow. But only those few years, and then lived comfortably for the for rest of For some reason, life. you think of him having this thing forever. That's because they always use his face, they always used him for the commercials, yeah. and then they started using other people. Who pretended to who be pretended him. pretended to be him. And that some was were women. Complete flop i think reba mcintyre yes did yes. it i didn't know no. <laughs> <laughs> all right now this is gonna kind of you're gonna say no way during world war technology had advanced something crazy and in the early days of the war the british navy converted a civilian cruise liner the rms carmania remember that into a makeshift war vessel. They retrofitted her with eight 4.7-inch guns, put her under the command of Captain Noel Grant to act as a merchant war vessel in the waters around Bermuda. In the hopes of avoiding detection, the British Navy disguised it as a German passenger liner. The SMS Cap 
Trafalgar. Mm. The plan worked when, on September 14, 1914, the Carmania ambushed and sank the vessel. But what was coincidental was it was the same boat Carmania was disguised as. However, in an even bigger twist, the SMS Cap Trafalgar, which got sunk, had also been disguised to look like a British ocean liner, the RMS Carmania. <gasps> it's like a little puzzle. It's like a little puzzle I'm trying to do in my head. That's bizarre. Isn't it bizarre? How do you disguise a ship? Oh, very carefully. I mean, they went to great lengths. Mm -hmm. to, to You're not talking about throwing a sheet over it. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. That's very interesting. <laughs> I love that. That's cool. Speaking of travel. Yes, dear. I have a joke about time travel. Oh, I love this. But I'm not going to share it with you. Oh, no, why? You guys didn't like it. <laughs> she had me going. I gotta give it to her there. You were her. perfect. I was, yeah, I did. You I were perfect. Hook, line, and sinker. I was kidnapped by mimes once. They did unspeakable things to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so onward we go. So there are also young. <laughs> Sorry, wait a minute. <laughs> When they crack you up. <laughs> so here are some young entrepreneurs. So the, the the over 60 ones, the website is called Over 6060. This one is Over 6060? Over 6060. That's what the website is. Sure. Over 6060. <laughs> I don't know why, but it okay. is. Okay. Um, this one is called invest investopedia.com. Okay. Investopedia.com. Frasian Dort Dort Dortry. That was the, the person's name. Yes. Uh-huh. At the age of 14, Fraser began making jams. Now, remember, he's 14. Yeah, but he's supposed to be over 60. From, no, I'm doing the young entrepreneurs. Oh, oh, oh. Did I not oh. say that? No. Yeah, These I are the guess young you did. entrepreneurs. At the age of 14, he began to make jams from his grandmother's recipes. Mm -hmm. As the word got out, he started getting all these orders that he had to fill. Uh-huh. Um, he dropped out of school... And he rented a factory a few days each month. In 2007, a high-end UK supermarket approached him about selling his jams, leading his products, gaining shelf space in 100, leading to his products, gaining shelf space in 184 stores. By the end of 2007, his company had $750,000 in sales. Holy moly. Since, the, since then, his company has continued to grow throughout Europe. I wonder if he shared it with Grandma. I hope so, or at <laughs> least made her, yeah, made her comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Or used her name or something. 14, so he did not have enough time to fill those orders, and he quit school. Now, I'm not saying... You should do that, no. But... No. Yep. Worked for this guy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, 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 I don't know what kind of jam it is. They didn't I don't know say? what it's called. No. 
Oh, they didn't give that a name? How? They had to have given it a name, but it's not in here. Maybe it's called Grandma's. <laughs> Grandma's Jam. I'd buy it. I would. Wouldn't you buy it? You just I picture would. the little... Just to see it. Yeah. Just, to, just to try it. Yeah. Okay, dubbed the unsinkable lady, Violet Jessup was a survivor of three of Britain's worst ocean-going disasters. She was an Irish-Argentine stewardess and nurse who worked for White Star Liners. Does that sound familiar? White Star Liners? Uh-huh. No, White Star Liners. In 1911, she started working as a stewardess on the White Star vessel RMS Olympic, mm. the largest civilian liner at her time. It was embroiled in tragedy when both when she was leaving port in Southampton and struck the British warship HMS Hawk. The collision left both ships badly damaged but got off lucky with no fatalities. After this near miss, age 24, Jessup received an ill-fated new posting as a stewardess aboard the new White Star Ocean Liner RMS Titan. Panic. Oh, no. On April 10, 1912. Acting as an example for non-English speakers, she stood above decks instructing passengers how to safely evacuate. She was loaded into a lifeboat, number 16, and again remained above the waters. During the First World War, she was working for the British Red Cross as a stewardess aboard the HMHS Britannic. A Britannic suffered an explosion in the Aegean Sea. The undetermined result of a mine or torpedo, it caused the Britannic to sink in a mere 55 minutes during the deaths of dozens around her and the fact she sustained a very nasty head injury, Violet Jessup survived oh my God. once again. No. Would you go back on a, on a ship? Not if she was on it. <laughs> Bad luck. Well, let's hope it was just bad luck and nothing that she was doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you just shine shown a whole new light on this. I'm now seeing a whole new movie. Boy, can you imagine? Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> a whole new movie. What's her name? Violet Jessup. How Violet sunk was Jessup. the ships. <laughs> the six, the ship sinking of Violet Jessup's. Who survived? Every one of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> How did that happen? So at age 13. Yes. This young entrepreneur. Yes. Hart Maine came up with the idea of manly scented candles after teasing his sister about the girly scented ones she was selling for a school fundraiser it wasn't until hart set out to purchase a fifteen hundred dollar bike that he reconsidered what he suggested in jest and what was that Hart and his parents contributed nominal amounts to begin the business and worked together to develop the man-scented candles, cleverly named Man Can. 
So, so what would they have smelled like? Well, adopting a simple masculine <clears throat> theme, I've actually bought one of these. Have you? Man can candles with available scents. Now, just take a shot at it. Spruce? Mm -mm -mm, close. Pine? Something like that? Mm -hmm. Man. A man candle. What would a man want to smell? Sweat? <laughs> you know what? I think that there is one. It's not listed here. Well, they they made campfire. Oh, I like that. Bacon. Sawdust. Fresh cut grass. And Grandpa's pipe. Now, they those made all sound really good. All of these things in soup cans. Hearts candles are in stores in every state with sales exceeding six figures annually, giving back to the community. Hart donates part of each sale to kitchens in Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Michigan. It had to be done. Is that brilliant? That is brilliant. Because he was making fun of his sister. Not his sister, making fun of his sister's candles. Right, right. Because and I have seen these, and they, I've smelled them, and they, they're, they are good. I'd like the campfire one. Campfire? I like the bacon one. Well, oh, yeah, I guess you would. That make me hungry all day, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess campfire. what? It's time to take a break. We'll be back. Support for WTBR comes from Sandrini Enterprises, providing awnings and canopies in western Massachusetts. Retractable awnings, retractable screens, gutter and gutter protection systems, commercial awnings, and screen rooms. Customized solutions available online at sandrini.com. UCP of Western Massachusetts is hiring. If you'd like to help people with different abilities lead independent lives, apply at ucpwma.org jobs. We need direct and living caregivers. Join the agency who's reimagining independence. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair. BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College. BCC offers more opportunity and less student debt. With small class sizes and more than 50 academic programs to choose from, fall classes begin on September 7th. Apply today at berkshirecc.edu. And from County Ambulance, providing quality, professional, efficient medical care and medical transportation services to the citizens of Berkshire County. Online at countyamb.com. Dot com. Dot com. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I want you to do your um, okay. true or false. Yes, and yes. And then I, I looked something up that we'll, we'll chat about. Okay, okay. Okay. Now, the first one is a raccoon who wanted to take a plane ride and they got caught. Or was it the hitchhiking bear that got on top of the garbage truck and said, I, I want the good stuff here, open up. <laughs> so which one of those okay. is real and which isn't? I like little raccoon faces. I like raccoon faces. Mm -hmm. So we were mm -hmm. talking during the break about um, maybe they have car air fresheners that have With those interesting scents. scents. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you can get the Bigfoot <laughs> scented car air freshener. You can get the Donald Trump scented. Oh, I'm getting sick. 
Uh, it's something about his hair. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you can get a, a bacon, a bacon one. Oh sure. Um, you can get uh, Edgar Allan Poe, which smells like potpourri. Oh. Yeah. William Shakespeare. Yeah. His is Shakespeare mint. Oh, now I might try that. That's kind of cute. Yeah. Then you have, um, oh, this is one that smells like bubble gum. Uh, so, so there's a couple of. They aren't very masculine. They're not very weird. The, this is not the same kid. This is just oh, random. Oh, I just oh. went random. <sighs> Can you imagine driving down in your car and smelling a campfire crackling away? It'd be nice if it had the mm, the, the sound. sound. <laughs> <laughs> I love that sound. Um, okay, so. My turn? Yes. <laughs> this is a good one. In 1972, legendary actor Anthony Hopkins accepted the lead role in George Pfeiffer's film, The Girl from Petrovka. Petrovka? Petrovka. Based on Pfeiffer's book of the same name. Petrovka. Ever the diligent actor Hopkins wanted to read the book to get further into his character's mind. However, after searching high and low for the book, to no avail in the bookstores of London, Hopkins eventually gave up the pursuit. As he was on the London Underground going home, Hopkins saw a book face down on the carriage he was riding in. He walked over and picked up the book, examining the front cover. It was the girl from Petrovka. <laughs> Two years later, during filming, Hopkins and Pfeiffer were chatting about the former's inability to find a book of the late latter's book. George Pfeiffer admitted to Hopkins that not even he had a copy of his own book. <laughs> to Pfeiffer's misfortune, he'd lent his personal copy to a friend in London who had lost it. The copy was complete with all of Pfeiffer's original annotations. Shocked and startled, Hopkins pulled out the same copy of the girl from Petrovka he had found on the tube two years ago. This one, he asked Pfeiffer, who examined it. It was that same original copy of George Pfeiffer's book that his best friend had lost and Hopkins had found and now was back with Pfeiffer. Oh, what a good story. Can you imagine that happening? That's a crazy story. I love that. That's the kind of stuff that uh, miniseries are made of. <laughs> I love that. So I just want to say, you said Petrovka, mm -hmm. and it made me think, uh, I don't know if that's Russian or not. Probably. Petrovka. And it made me think that I want to do a shout out to my dentist's office, and they know who they are, Aww. and they're listening to WTBR 89.7 FM, Yay. and hoping that they like it, and next time I go... My uh, cleaning will not be painful because of, of, <laughs> of what, listening to our show, but they know who they are, and I would say I would say the only words I know like "brivet" and and "idisuda," and that's all I really know. Other than, oh, and if you want to pay for your dentistry, you can bring a cow, <laughs> and they know exactly what that means. Or you can bring sheep. Who knows? You bring it in, you, you say, hey, take my cow. Fix cow teeth. We do this in Russia. We clean teeth. 
I bring my cow. <laughs> so, hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to WTBR 89.7, listening to Stop. Stop. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Thank you guys for doing her teeth so nicely. Yes. I can look at her now. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ray Kroc. You know who he is. No. Does it ring a bell? No. First of all, when I heard his name, I thought about Croc, the shoes. Okay. But it's not. No. Ray, you're going to just it's not Cracker kick Barrel yourself. Or... No. The McDonald's. McDonald's. Oh. Yes. He was, like several other entries on our list, a salesman by trade. Was he the, the clown? Ray Kroc? I don't think he was the clown. Clown. The clown that I know was the the weatherman from uh, was it NBC News? Uh, the guy who used to do the Smuckers jar. Okay. He would say yeah. Happy hundredth birthday to so and so. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Smuckers. The rather large. I think yes. Yes. And I can't recall his name, but I believe he was the first. Really. Ronald McDonald. I did not know so, that. So. He was, so, so... Didn't need to. <laughs> Ray, Ray, how can you live and not know that? Ray Kroc was a salesman. It was during one of his cross-country jaunts selling five spindle milkshake mixers to drugstores and restaurants that Kroc, then 50, met Dick and Mac McDonald. Wowed oh. by their self-service burger joint, he quickly convinced them to franchise. Croc transformed himself from a guy hawking milkshake mixers to a bona fide burger baron. Wow. By 1965, at the age of 63, this is so. This is 13 years later. Uh huh. McDonald's had opened 400 restaurants in 44 states. Wow. Just, wow. It's like being born with a silver spoon in your mouth, sort of, as far as your mind and your... and your. Even if you have to wait until you're in your 50s. It just shows you that it's never too late. Wow. To do something. So they had a little hamburger joint, but that's all they were doing with it. It's a self-service hamburger joint. Dick and Mac McDonald's. Self-service? Do you make your own hamburgers? Oh, that's interesting. Self-service. Yeah. Would you so, fry up your own? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they give you cook the burger, you hold the bun, they put it in, and you put everything on it. That you want, yeah. That, hmm. that you want, what you want, hmm. what you really, really, really want. <laughs> Tell me what you want, what you really, really, really want. What I really, really want <laughs> is for them to cut up the tomatoes and onions when they put them on the bun because they can't be eaten I mean, without they, them falling out. Yeah, if yes. you dice them up a little bit, then then they go down or really smooth. Or cut them real thin. Yeah, and they save money because they would get more slices out of the tomato. That's you true. You see how my voice gets really high again? I do. Uh, Have you come got, onto something? Are we going to be rich now? I'm telling you, I wish I had ideas. Don't you ever say to yourself, "I had that idea." Yes. Yes. I had that idea. Yep. Well, yeah. Some people just know how to go forward. Mm -hmm. My mother told me that I could recognize the problems, all of them, but I could never figure out how to solve them. <laughs> well, I'm kind of like that. <laughs> I, I'm kind of like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. On Labor Day in 1965, Gary Barnhill sorted in an F-105D fighter jet en route to Hanoi, North Vietnam. During a routine mid-air refueling 
Barnhill's wingman alerted him to the fact that he was leaking fuel at an alarming rate. Barnhill disconnected from the tanker and, without even checking the situation, punched his ejector button and shot up out of the aircraft only a second before it erupted into flames. Landing in the clearing of a thick forest, he sat and awaited rescue, hoping that friendly forces would get to him before those less friendly. Despite his flight lead alerting rescuers to his position, Barnhill, ever the showman in his youth, decided to fire up his rescue flare just for the hay of it. <laughs> the chopper that found and rescued him and had lost its radio earlier that day and only found him due to the coincidentally lucky flare he chose to ah. fire off. He never caught the name of the helicopter pilot who came to his rescue, nor did he ever thank him. He went on to serve during the rest of the war and after his retirement became an airline co-pilot for TWA. Years later, sitting in a coffee shop in a Philadelphia layover, he got chatting with TWA flight engineer called Bill Wurstrom. They started having the what-did-you-do-before-TWA conversation, and much to his surprise, Wurstrom said to Barnhill that he flew a few choppers during Vietnam. Upon hearing that Barnhill was a fighter pilot, Winstrom mentioned that he'd picked up a few downed fighter pilots, including one incredibly lucky guy, who dejected one second before his plane exploded. They met. Mm -hmm. Ah! <laughs> There's another movie right there. <laughs> oh, they met. They met. And he oh, finally got to thank him. I love those stories. <laughs> that is a great story. Uh-huh. Oh, I love, I love that. <laughs> I'm going to get a tissue. <laughs> Oh, I love that story. <laughs> More people who were successful in careers after the age of 50. Okay. Everyone's favorite French chef, Julia Child. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Julia Child Show. I'm making baguettes. Baguettes today stuffed with ricotta cheese. Julia. I do... <laughs> That's all I got to say. Julie Childs, that's it. I thought you'd be overwhelmed. You're I'm underwhelmed. Trying, I'm trying to come down from the heights. <laughs> hey, at least I'm not singing Queen. Oh, thank yeah. you. Everyone's favorite French chef led a fascinating long life before she became famous. Her career began at the Office of Strategic Services, a government agency that would later become the CIA. There she helped develop a shark repellent and later served as chief of the OSS registry, complete with top security clearances. No, oh. I don't know what OSS is, do you? Office of, I used to know. Sauces and soups. Well, it can be now. <laughs> After marrying Paul Child, Julia took a cooking class at La Cordon Bleu mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and was deemed unqualified. What? To move into the, cuisine, the, the, the advanced cuisine course. Unqualified? She eventually conquered it, obviously. Publishing Mastering the Art of French Cooking, Volume 1, in 1961. She was 49. The resultant TV show, The French Chef, <laughs> debuted 
two years later introducing <laughs> Julia's effervescent personality to the world. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Debuted. Debuted. <laughs> yeah, I did that because I wanted to see if you were listening. I looked over there and I thought, she's falling asleep. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to screw up a word. And I said, debuted. And lo and behold, it worked. She caught that because she's brilliant. She's brilliant. I didn't know whether to laugh or not, just let it go. We've had many moments like that in our 10 year history. Hasn't been that long. And they always seem to be on this side of the. Of the desk. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you oh, ever watch gosh. Julia Child? No. Oh, I couldn't take her voice. <laughs> she was just. And there's that movie, Julia and Julie, or Julie and Julia. Yeah, that yeah, was a yeah. really good movie. But the shocker in that movie is that Julia Child was mad at Julie, the girl who was making one of her recipes every single day. And she was blogging about it, and she, it was a Julia Child recipe every day for I don't remember how long. Oh my God! And Julia Child didn't like her. Yeah, I think she got to meet her if I remember the movie, and she she wasn't friendly. Was she upset because she was taking like her you her spotlight? I don't spotlight? recall why. I just remember in the movie thinking, "Well, huh, that's not nice." <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes. Don't cross. Julia Child. Yes, don't cross Julia Child. Okay, now I have some of those nice stories, but they're very short. Surfer slang hang ten. Is that a tongue twister? Surfer slang hang ten. Surfer slang hang ten. (laughs) Have you ever, do you ever figure out what it actually means? Surfer slang hang ten? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. It actually means having all ten toes over your board's edge when riding a wave. This is a move that can only be done on a heavy long board. So if you can see somebody standing on the edge of the board, gripping with their toes, that's a hang ten. That's a hang ten. I love to watch surfing. I think they're nuts. I think they're nuts. Especially when you know that their ankle is tied to their surfboard so they don't lose it. So That's what that's for? Yes. So you wonder if that surfboard could come back and hit you in the head. and hit you. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's a. I think it's dangerous, but I think it's cool to watch. Okay, remember Ronald Reagan? Unfortunately, okay. no, no, no. He was all right. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Perhaps him. one of the most famous career switches in recent history. Mm. Actor Ronald Reagan was 54 when he announced he was running for governor for California of California in 1965. Uh-huh. His political career worked out well for him, of course. He became the 40th president of the United States in 1981. Yep. Going from actor to president. Two terms. Speaking of two terms. Yes. He had charisma. Mm -hmm. He was likable. He was an actor. People knew him as the actor. That's right. And maybe fell in love with the actor. Did he play with a chimp or was it something else? Or am I thinking of somebody else? When he became president? No. (laughs) (laughs) As for for therapy. Chimp therapy. Yeah, chimp therapy. You heard it on WTBR 89.7. You can get chimp therapy to help you with your whatevers. Oh, that was funny. Arnold Schwarzenegger did it too. Chimp. 
<laughs> no, not no. The Terminator yes. followed yes. in the Gippers because they called Ronald Reagan the Gipper. Uh huh. Footsteps 22 years later, leaving a successful career in Hollywood to become the governor of California in 2003 at the age of 56. He wasn't am, kidding he when was he the said, governor. I am back. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Try, try to talk about him and not try to do that. I mean, I'll be back. He yeah, got, everybody he got says it. Everybody. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Broccoli. Broccoli. Do you like broccoli? I love broccoli. Did you know that it's a man-made food? Broccoli? Mm-hmm. It only came about after years and years of selective breeding between wild cabbage plants that started around the 6th century B.C. In fact, the word broccoli comes from the Italian for the flowering crest of a cabbage. So the broccoli has come from the cabbage. So what did they how did they man make it? They 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 took other cabbages and they mixed them together like you know and like hybrid. Yeah, and they made broccoli. Broccoli, all by itself. But it still grew from nature. Yes, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Have your fun. So, so I'm all <laughs> done with what I was talking about, and and I'm I'm on to something else now. I was thinking about toys that are ones that if you have them now, you could sell them for lots and lots. Oh, of like money. the kind you leave in the box and don't open it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Barbie, mm-hmm. Barbie in a swimsuit. Mm-hmm. A lot of Barbies were created when the doll was first announced, thanks to an incredibly quick rise in popularity. On average, some of the original Barbie dolls can fetch upward to $1,200 each. Wow. If you have the holy grail of Barbies, you could afford to buy a new car with the sale of the unique doll. A first edition Barbie. The classic black and white striped swimsuit Barbie is now worth up to $20,000 at an auction. Not bad for a doll that cost $3 when it debuted. (laughs) See what I did there? In 1959. (laughs) So... So I was... I was going to say something. She put it right out of my head. (laughs) So I was three. So I didn't have a Barbie then. So I don't remember the black and white bathing suit. I remember seeing it. I never had Barbie, so... 20,000. And the thing is, you think sometimes you have to have something for 100 years in order for it to be. Yeah. But no. You just keep something in the package. Because otherwise you'd probably wear out the material, wouldn't you? What? Playing with it? (laughs) Yes. You've got to keep it in the box. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Keep it in the box. And that's no fun. No. That's no fun. You can look at it. I have some I Love Lucy dolls, and I have some It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life dolls that are still in the boxes that were gifts to me from friends. Whoa! And it's it's they're just still in. I should put them in my office. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. In China, ghost marriages are illegal. It used to be common when recently deceased women and men 
were matched up and ritually married by their prospective families to ensure that they weren't lonely in the afterlife. Really? They really did that. And then now all of a sudden they said, no, no, don't do that anymore. No, no, don't do that anymore. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't do that anymore. Mm. I don't know if you stay matched up. <laughs> what if they didn't want to be matched up? What if they thought, hey, this is my opportunity in the afterlife to be with somebody new and then, <laughs> or nobody at all? <laughs> and then they said, nope, we're going to tie you down. Superman toy. Now, I did see the picture of the Superman toy, and I have to say that the face on it was very poorly done. But then again, it's old. Uh-huh. In 1940, Ideal Novelty and Toy Company created a 13-inch tall Superman action figure. The toy was made from wood, minus its head and upper body. The toy has become one of the most highly collectibles in the world. Where, where's the head? There was a head, but it wasn't ev <clears throat> it evidently <clears throat> wasn't made of wood. Oh. Um, the, uh, the toy... Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this doll is the first to ever be made for the franchise and sold for just 94 cents Whoa. when it was released. With a selling price of more than $20,000, it is now worth almost 30,000 times more than the original MSRP. When, would it, when did it come out? 1940. Ah. So that's right up there with the Barbie doll. Yeah. Barbie and Superman. Move over, Ken. Together again. Maybe they should get married in China and they could be together forever. How about that? Mm -hmm. But it'd be illegal. Mm -mm. They could do it posthumously. Well, they're not really. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> that was so good. That was good? priceless. And you caught it. That was beautiful. Okay. <laughs> oh, I got a candy to you, lady. That was gorgeous. <laughs> kudos, kudos. All right, this one pertains to me. <laughs> People spend roughly 13% of their lives zoned out. <laughs> How much? 13%. Zoned out? Yep, just zoned out. Just vegging. It happens to us all, according to a study from 2005. One minute you're living life and you're on the ball, then the next moment, wait, wh wh where was I do What was I doing? Oh, yes. oh, well, never mind. According to the same study, the figure can increase <laughs> to 26% when you're intoxicated. Oh. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I don't have to be intoxicated at all to be at 36%. 36% is just my norm. I got in so much trouble in school, grade school, because I would just sit there and stare out the window and daydream, and they'd say, wake up, wake up. So there should have been special classes. Well, I don't mean the special classes. Well, those But true, there yeah. should have been special classes for people like you and I who are that type of personality. Flaky. We're, we're, no, flaky, <laughs> we're daydreamers, we're sanguines, we're outgoing, we, we're, we're energetic, we're creative, and we don't learn textbook style. There should be teachers that teach certain styles to certain groups of children that are How tested. How would you grade that? You have though? to test kids first, see what category they're in, put the kids that are like textbook learners. Wrote. In one 
class. Uh -huh. Put the kids who are visual learners in another class with a teacher who knows how to teach visually. I'm a visual learner. I, I, I'm a physical learner. If I do it, I, or if I've I got do it, it hands-on, yep. yep. visual. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I never got that because I knew when you think about it, you've got thirty. We're off on a we're really off on a rabbit trail. We are here. We've got thirty <laughs> kids in a class. At least that there were thirty, thirty-three in my classes. Yeah. And you think about it, you have all different personalities of kids. You have all different learning styles. Some mm -hmm, learn better mm -hmm. audibly, some learn better visually, some have to be hands-on, some have to read the textbook. And, and you have one yep. teacher that has one style of teaching. Listen to this, folks. Now, this they're is teaching good. all these kids with one style. So if that person is, is, a, is a, 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 a person who, who talks the lesson, the kids who are the audible learners will mm -hmm. learn, but mm -hmm. the visual learners like you and I are sitting there listening to the talking when we'd be better off and all we seeing hear is blah, it, blah, blah. Seeing it demonstrated or doing it ourselves. <sighs> I, I've always thought of that, that it doesn't make sense. I must be really smart then because I did good in school. You know Even what? Though. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I am so do we I have a rewind? You. I get you. I get Do you. We have a delete. <laughs> really, I was in Pittsfield High, and I moved to Bennington, and I went. I did terrible in math at Pittsfield High. I moved to Bennington, and I went to Mount Anthony for a part of my junior year, and I got A's in math. Wow! And I think it was the style of the teacher teaching the math because I finally got it. That would make sense. Yeah. 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 I, I flunked algebra forever, and when I went to college, I took a kind of toned-down course, split in half, two different semesters. And caught on. And aced it. It's crazy. You're right. We You're could right. Do this, like, we could do a whole show on this. We could. We could have guests in here. Do you <gasps> want to hear something really, really bad? Uh, yes, this I is, do. This is really, really bad. All right. There is a black market for illegal skin trade nowadays there's a black market for most anything this one is particularly grim though in india women from poor backgrounds are being trafficked and duped into selling their skin for use in the global cosmetic surgery world for operations like breast enhancements and enlargements for men oh gosh that's bad. I thought they took skin from your own body. Like Apparently a not always. Oh, I don't even want to think that that's true. And the hard part is it's true. And I don't like thinking that it's true. Can we end on a better note? We can. The Cabbage Patch Kid adoption fee has gone way up. You remember <laughs> Cabbage Patch? Oh, yes. In 1984, you could purchase a Cabbage Patch Kid for an adoption fee of $40. The dolls started as hand-stitched sculptures by Xavier Roberts in 1976, but debuted in a newer form eight years later. If you held on to one of the original 1984 dolls, you could sell it today for upwards of $1,000 in mint condition. Ooh. The doll was recently re-released, but not with quite the same fanfare it received more than 30 years prior. Wow. I remember people sleeping in parking lots to try to get a Cabbage Patch doll. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do that. No. Nope. No, but I got one, but I didn't do that. 
Nope, nope, nope. No. And remember, all of this information that you heard, you heard on WTBR, 89.7 FM, but I must say they are not responsible for misinformation no. or nope. mispronunciation of words. It's all us. <laughs> and we love it. Okay, was it the raccoon or the hitchhiking bear? It was, in my mind, the hitchhiking bear. Well... To all of you on the edge of your seat, <laughs> actually, both are true. That was a trick. <laughs> on October 1, police at Buffalo Niagara Airport caught the raccoon as it was sneaking onto a flight. And everything else they said that went with that is true. They put it back into the woods and let it go. And garbage collectors in small Pennsylvania town did find a bear, which climbed up on top of their truck and said it was common for bears to be out and about trying to get nutrition before sleeping. It makes sense that they're both true because they both sounded very, very, very true. And I won't do that again, so you'll never know. <laughs> okay. Then how will I never know if you won't do it again? You might do it again. You oh, might do it again, oh, but I'll never know when. Oh, well, yes. Oh. Hey, Guess a friend what? of mine went bald years ago, you know. Yeah? Yeah. But he still carries around an old comb. He just can't part with it. Mm, mm, mm. and opinions on this program are those of the hosts and not those of PCTV or WTBR.